Hello, and welcome to the Earth Chats podcast. I'm your host, Sahara. I'm an activist, writer, speaker, and listener with a passion for creating change in our world. Join me and special guests weekly as we have inspiring conversations and reveal insightful knowledge, tips, and tricks on how you can live more mindfully on this planet. Tune in every Wednesday and make sure to hit subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And now, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Our first guest today is Misha Teasdale. He's the founder and director of an amazing organization called Green Pop that focuses on regeneration and reforestation, as well as activating people to become environmental stewards for their land. He's an incredibly inspiring and passionate person, so I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to Earth Chats. Welcome to the show. You are our very first guest, which is very, very exciting. Oh my gosh, am I the inaugural guest? Yes, you're the inaugural guest. (laughs) I feel so bad. I'm a white male. I shouldn't be a white male being the first person here. (laughs) No, no. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay. um, I am a lover of bicycles and I'm a lover of climbing trees. I am um, a big believer in uh, the human ca- capacity to make amazing things happen. Um, once we have piqued our curiosity, we can do amazing, amazing things. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a Cape Town guy, been in Cape Town most of my life, though I have done an extensive amount of traveling. I've been fortunate enough to go all over um, and many places in Africa. Um, I'm married, I have a, a wife and I have a father, and he is 21 months, uh, just gone, um, and he's adorable, but he's quite sickies at the moment, and okay. yeah, and my, my mission is really to reconnect people with the planet, and myself, I, I'm, I'm forever trying to get closer to being in nature as much as I can be, um, and while I love the opportunity to read connect with the world through this thing we call a laptop. I would love to spend a lot more time connecting with uh, the trees and the plants and all the other beautiful species out there. So that's where I'm at. Nothing compares to being outside. That's for sure. (laughs) So I've been doing a bit of research on you. And you studied sustainable industrial design. Uh, so I studied industrial design with a sustainability uh, focus as my thesis here. Okay, so what does that entail exactly? Like, what is sustainable design, and has it impacted or influenced what you do today? So I studied industrial design with the thinking around how design is really connected to everything from a human standpoint. So everything that we engage with that isn't nature, whether it's interface design, software design, or 
3D things like laptops and cars and toothbrushes and plates and all the things that need to either be aesthetically beautiful or, or um, um, ergonomically correct, they're all in some way had to go through a design process. And because it's so inextricably linked to everything we do, I felt that if I was going to be a change maker in the world, I needed to understand design as a principle. Um, and that was kind of the, the journey as it began. Um, mm -hmm. And then it got washed by just kind of becoming a product designer and just trying to work out how the whole space of understanding materials and, um, yeah, I suppose load-bearing, resistance, the things that come with being a designer. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And at the end, we got more into kind of the theoretical, the principles behind good design. Um, and things like obsolete uh, and obsolescence and things like that. And so it gave me a really good standpoint, a starting place to have a perspective on the way I engage with the world from a project building perspective. Um, and my final year, I, I, I was designing something that works with uh, sustainable rainwater catchment. Um, okay. The mechanism essentially allowed for uh, municipalities to install um, a catchment mechanism that reduced the amount of debris that goes into um, uh, rainwater, uh, rainwater um, um, like the entryways. And mm -hmm. yeah, great project. I actually submitted it to local government. There was lots of interest. I had several meetings oh, with them. Wow. And then the evictions happened and then the whole team changed and I started the conversation again and it kind of just got lost in the ether. <laughs> system um but uh, I, yeah i suppose i maybe wasn't that enthusiastic about it um yeah. but it definitely gave me a really good kind of vantage Foundation. point yeah to yeah. understand the principle of having a project from concept to fruition um, and that's yeah. largely what we do at the moment we, we come up with an idea we look at the value of the idea through various lenses. We look at the problem statement. Um, we find out what other people have done in relation to this, with similar challenges. Um, and then, yeah, we set up a, a set of goals which would indicate impact. Um, and then from there, we can start building a project. And it's very much yeah. similar to design process and systems thinking way in which you would need to of gear up building any product uh, yeah. in a sustainable manner. Like, what are you trying to achieve and mapping that out? Cool. So that obviously, it definitely would have given you a bit of a, yeah, like a nice backbone for creating a project, which you then did in 2010, you started Green Pop. So can you tell us a little bit about how this came to be and what Green Pop is. Sure, no problem. So I was fortunate enough to get a really fantastic film job by a company called Volkswagen. Um, and in the process, I got to fly all around the world doing a documentary for them. 
Um, and on the back end of that documentary, I landed up flying 360,000 kilometers, which is a massive distance. Wow. And so I wanted to do something about it. And in order to compensate for my footprint, we decided um, that we were going to plant some trees. And the mission was just to plant a thousand trees. Right to the um, and so we set up this creative campaign. We got a bunch of like-minded individuals together. We gave them some interesting tasks, some creative tasks, some maybe some ballsy outlandish tasks. And um, <laughs> fortunately, they were all quite keen to solve and how they could add some value. And yeah, they came with us. Um, and so the first mission was just to plant 1,000 trees in one month. Um, and that was in September 2010. Um, and we raised a bunch of trees through various fundraising campaigns. Um, uh, we picketed people on the streets and we asked them, come and get involved. Um, we started a social media campaign, we built a website, and ultimately we got lots of momentum out there. Um, and the, the benefit was that I think a lot of people were quite ready for this type of momentum. Um, yeah, there was just this general sense of um, Cape Tonians wanting to do something, wanting to get active. Uh, and so we used that momentum, we channeled it in the right direction. And before we knew it, we had lots of people coming out every other day, helping us tree plant, helping us fundraise for trees. Um, and after a month, we planted a thousand trees and we got lots of people enthusiastic wow. about the whole campaign. And yeah, that's about it. So then we decided to turn it into an organization. And here we are 10 years later, over a hundred thousand trees on the ground. Yeah. A hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And you guys, I, you guys have now a goal for like the next five years, right? For a tree planting. Uh, Yes, so we're looking for half a million trees within the next five years. Wow, that's so cool. I'm so excited. In terms of climate change and combating mm. climate change, what mm. role do trees play and how important are reforestation and regeneration? So I think trees being a natural climate solution play a significant role in the managing of and regulating of climate systems. Um, just looking at microclimates, um, the sheer fact that trees are able to reduce um, the, the landscape temperature quite considerably, uh, able to retain moisture, particularly in drought-ridden areas, uh, manage soil erosion, etc. They have a fair amount of advantage um, that they can provide for yeah, pretty much any landscape. Obviously, it needs yeah. to be in context. So some places trees aren't supposed to be, um, but where there once was forest or where there is now degraded forest and needs some restoration, trees can really be the Kickstarter that can help with local communities and their agriculture um, and access to um, fuel wood it can help with regenerating rivers because a lot of rivers have just run dry because so many of the trees have been cut down and that evapotranspiration uh, the recharging of moisture into the atmosphere 
um, as well as actually holding it into the ground and not just experiencing this consistent runoff, uh, which creates all soil loss as well. Um, so for that, I think they, they play a significant role. For sure, for sure. Um, so now I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. And I was, I'm very curious to know this actually. So your work at Green Pop involves working a lot with people and especially with the youth, being a mentor and a motivator. So what do you find is the best way to connect and engage people in learning about the planet and taking sometimes vast and sort of out there issues close to home? So for me, I think the most critical thing we can do right now is see how we can make environmentalism and nature connection accessible. We need to give young people, first of all, knowledge, so allow for them to understand what the real data is. We need to inspire them to feel like they can do something about it, because there's no point in presenting this doom and gloom case for what's happening in the world without some real tangible solutions from which Definitely. young people can start taking yeah, big strides forward and allowing for them to feel like they can be part of that solution. I think we need to also stimulate a, a sense of curiosity um, so that young people feel like their questions and their uh, these complex systems can kind of start um, presenting themselves in different ways and shapes. Um, so much of this information is kind of in science and in like big articles and it's even challenging for me to comprehend. Um, and yeah. I feel like it just stifles curiosity because it's so complicated. Um, so we need to take this complicated context and make it accessible to everyone, including young people. Um, yeah. And then I think we also need to be realistic about what everyone's um, role is in this big picture, because there's so many elements that have an influence on a societal basis and on a global basis with regards to climate change. Mm. No, definitely. I think making it um, an accessible thing, an accessible issue, um, is a very key thing because it's also how a lot of information is not intentionally withheld, but is withheld from public, is a lot of people just don't know because it's just not presented in an accessible way. Yeah. Yeah. So... What does a typical day in the life of Misha Teasdale look like? <laughs> um, a typical day. So I have a baby, as I mentioned earlier, and he is mm -hmm. a big believer in waking up at horrendous hours. Oh, Yesterday yeah. and uh, this morning was not a typical day, but it wasn't too far off. Um, he decided that 2 a.m. would be a good time to wake up. Oh, was, wow. I wake up 4.30. Um, so, on a good day, I probably wake up around six. <clears throat> I make breakfast for myself and the family. I'll take my Baba for a long walk. 
sometimes about 10 Ks. If it's a oh, nice. uh, faster moving day, maybe a little bit shorter than that. Then I'll hop on my bicycle after breakfast and whiz through to my office, which is in the heart of the city in Cape Town. Um, I've got an amazing team here and they're all kind of just scurrying away with all sorts of great work, um, urban greening and restoration. Um, and then I generally have a few meetings out of the office with partners and activists, people that want to get involved for whatever reason. Um, and I try to knock off at a reasonable hour. And if I do, that'll be around 4.35. Um, or I might work late. Um, and then if I can get a mountain walk in or a hike, uh, maybe another cycle in. Uh, and then just some delicious food making. I'm very much in the kitchen all the time making all sorts of delicious nice. plant-based food. Um, I am nice. what I eat. I believe that's wholeheartedly. So I'm always brewing up things and pickling things and just generally making delicious eats because I, I do love food very much. And I, I believe, yeah, we, we need to take a lot more time and put a lot more energy into the food we eat. Um, and try and re reduce the amount of convenience eating that we do uh, because I feel like that's one thing that's destroying our health and the world. And the world, yes, 100%. It goes both ways for sure. It's all connected. So, are you ready for like a bit of a quick fire round of like quick fire sounds questions good to me. here at the end? Okay. So, what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned and it doesn't have to be career related? Biggest lessons that I've learned. Um, with passion and horsepower and planning, you can pretty much accomplish anything you set your mind to. Um, I've experienced that on countless amounts of times when I was 22, going 23, I planned uh, with a lot of passion and horsepower to drive from Cape Town to London. Um, Wow. through 21 African countries and I managed to, to do that with some of my, my best wow. friends and um, I've obviously started That's an organization awesome. in my mid-late 20s um, and yeah I just feel like there's nothing that you cannot do if you are willing to put in the time and energy um, yeah that's one thing nice. The, Very nice. is that good that's a good one. That's a really good one. I completely agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, so, on the top of your head, what are three things you're grateful for in this moment? In this moment, three things that I'm grateful for. Sorry, my wife's just looking for a house. Can you see that? Hi, Sahara. Oh, no problem. Hi, Lauren. How are you? <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me. Lots of love. Go around the garden, Bess. You and Eden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am I'm really grateful for uh, the amazing family that I have. Um, and while it's very uh, complex and can be quite challenging bringing a new person into the world, especially if you're trying to do it with love and dedication and being present, it also comes with a lot of gifts, number one. Number two, I'm really grateful for being healthy. Um, I just, I've got a spring in my step. I, I run upstairs. I, I love to ride my bicycle. And I just feel like, um, you yeah, know, my body is just capable of so much. Um, it's like my temple. So I'm really grateful for that. 
And then I'm grateful to be alive now, even though there's all this complexity that's happening with the climate movement and the, and the inequality and all that stuff. I'm grateful that I'm here and I'm present and I'm able to do whatever I can do to be part of this in a very meaningful and tangible way. Um, I feel like the opportunity for moving the needle right now is just massive. You know, 20 years ago, I feel like everything was just so slow. Things are just not moving at all. But now it feels like things are just ramping up and the, the energy we put in we get something out. And I think that's yeah. really exciting. No, I definitely agree with that. I feel like, especially just this year, I don't know, maybe it's because it's 2020, it just feels like anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Um, so if we had one day to save the planet, what three things would we need to do? <laughs> if we had one day to save the planet, I would say the first thing we would have to do is all decide that we need to end cynicism. So no one is allowed to be cynical about anything anymore. Okay, number one. Number two, I would say that we need to narrow everything down to a localized economy as fast as possible so that things would be seasonal so that people would stop consuming stuff that they don't need to consume so that people in a local economy get supported by the people in the local economy and it's not just a case of like in Cape Town um, all these glorious products you know, imported from all over the world um, and actually it's not really supporting all the people that are yeah. the majority of Cape Town I'm sure that applies to a lot of places um, yeah. and number three I would say that I think I'll go back to my curiosity is that the whole world has a marked increase in their curiosity, which allows for them to feel intuitive enough to spend time in nature, allows them to feel um, willing to pick up every single thing that they ever consume and read the label and feel ownership around what are they reading because they can understand that there's an unintended consequence behind every time they spend a dollar. Those are my three things. Very nice. Very, very nice. Thank you. Oh. And now, almost second to last one, what piece of advice or actionable step can you give our readers to help them reduce their impacts on the planet? Sorry, not our readers, our listeners. I'm used to writing blog posts. <laughs> Actional steps reduce impact planet. That was just saying. Yes. Hmm. I'd have to say. So I suppose it's one actual step. Um. Or just a piece of advice. My main advice is that I've got a little kit of packaging things that I keep with me, either in my bag or the boots of my car or at the front door, I've got a few of these. And in there, there's a bunch of grocery bags, there's a bunch of brown bags, and there's a bunch of jars. So that actually anytime I want to go grocery shopping on the fly, anytime I want to go pick up some jars, 
I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. I like, I don't need to go to the shop. And then they're like, oh, I didn't bring my grocery bags. And now I'm just going to have to cheat yeah. again. So I've always prepared for those moments where I've just like come out and I'm ready and I've got my car there or I've got my, my bag and it's all in there. And I could be like, cool, can I have some of this and can I have some of that? And, and then I arrive home and I've just got minimal plastic packaging. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Be prepared for sure. Be prepared, sure. yeah, because I think everyone yeah. wants to be an environmentalist, but then they get home and they're like, oh, I just want to get on the couch and like zone out because my day is going to yeah. so but for you to just say, like, cool, well, when you unpack your groceries, then all you need to do is repack that bag with the empties, Tupperware, glass jars, brown bags, and some extra bags, and just put it at the front door, put it on the, the coat hanger, put it in the boots, and have a few of them. Yeah. Don't just have one, because you're going to land up being like, oh, I forgot it today, because it's in this vehicle, yeah. not in Definitely. this place. Definitely. So... To finish off, how can people get involved with Green Pop and support what you do? And of course, get active and not anxious for the planet. <laughs> um, if you want to get involved with Green Pop, I highly recommend you go and visit our website. That's www.greenpop.org. Green the color and pop like popcorn, popular, population, <laughs> if you like. Um, you can also come and join us at one of our event days where we do restoration workshops, dancing, all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, our next one that's coming up is in June and July of 2020. And you can check out festivalofaction.org um, or .com. Um, and, and there's lots of details up there. You can raise money for trees. So there's a thing called Trees for Fees. You go on to Trees for Fees. Um, it's a very cool campaign that we've been running for a few years now. And if you raise 80 trees, uh, you get a free place to come to eat festival action. And if you don't want to come, you can give that free place to someone else. We have lots of low-income youth that are constantly wanting to come and join us. Perfect. Uh, constantly wanting to come join us on our campaigns. Um, specifically the Eden Festival of Action and we would love to give that place away to someone who is well deserved and would like to come along for the, for the beautiful journey and otherwise hop onto our website and sign up as a volunteer and we will keep you updated cool and by the way I highly recommend coming to the Eden Festival of Action you will not regret it <laughs> it is awesome 100% awesome uh, thank you. I liked having you there. I'm excited you'll be back. Yes, I will be back. Yes, I definitely will be back. I'm excited as well. Uh, well, thank you so much for being our first guest. Um, this was very, very um, cool. And I'm excited to see where, where you go with your goal. And we have to make it happen. Get a half a million trees by 2025. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. It's a massive goal, which is interesting, but uh, it's also, yeah, it just feels like actually a bigger goal maybe is more, more accessible just based on the fact that uh, if you make the goals too small, then, you know, maybe not that many people take notice of it. If you're making goals like yeah. just big and unruly, then people yes. are like, hells yeah, let's get involved with that. Yes. That sounds amazing. Go big or go home. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah. Okay, Yay. cool. 
thank you so so much for coming on yeah, and right. your time and i hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and get home to your lovely wife and arden bear yeah. hope they're all doing yeah. well send my love and hugs to them as well perfect i will definitely cool thank Thanks you so much you too bye bye look up to yourself bye